Here are matches for the greatest. Yeah, we're going to get into this in a little bit. We have a couple good questions. But first, uh, let's introduce Nick. Nick is the host of the podcast, A Mouthful of History. You uh, co-host that along with uh, two other people. Do you want to talk a little bit about your podcast and what it's about and where people can sure find thing. it? Um, yeah. Um, so A Mouthful of History is just a general history podcast where me and two of my friends um, get together and we talk about us, we take a subject and we all talk about it from different perspectives. We each take time to research specific aspects of it and bring it to the table. We try to relate it to modern times, but some subjects do it better than others. <laughs> so usually you guys like, gather around one particular, like, is it the same topic? A theme or a topic. So gotcha. like our first episode was election. So each of us talked about a different election that we thought was important in American history. Our second episode was about the Normans. Uh, so that was medieval. So that was a singular topic. Just talked. We just talked about it that way. Okay, cool. Nice. And uh, you guys take like suggestions and stuff like that for future episodes, right? Yeah. Uh, right now, the first three episodes are like the first episode was my topic. The second mm -hmm. episode was... Cameron's topic and the next episode will be David's topic. Nice. Um, and then after that, we'll take suggestions. We're also planning on uh, reviewing uh, historical movies. Ooh, that's so a good one too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How did you guys come uh, come up with this idea? Why did you decide to do a podcast? Um, well, uh, me and Cameron, we met in a history class. We both big history. Before I switched to film as my major, I was a history major. Obviously, David, um, I'm saying obviously like the people know who David is. <laughs> <laughs> just just an assumption at this point. Um, David has a master's in uh, history. Cameron has, uh, has a bachelor's. We both, we all three love history. I loved history. I've, before I annoyed every, all of my friends talking about movies, I annoyed them by talking about history. So. Yeah. Yeah, I've, um, no, I've known you since since high school, and before like everybody had smartphones, I would just text Nick history questions <laughs> if I had any <laughs> history questions. So he's he's pretty knowledgeable. So um, I remember one day um, Cameron had sent me a podcast, uh, a history podcast, and it was good. And I remember I was sitting at breakfast one day, and I was just like. Yeah. I was actually sitting across from David. I was like, hey, let, let's do a history podcast. There's not <laughs> enough of those. And uh, then I text Cameron. I'm like, hey, you down? He's like, yeah. And it just went from there. Nice. Yeah, that's true. There really isn't that many. So not a lot of competition there. Yeah. <laughs> There's some good ones. There's uh, uh, with the Revolutions podcast and Hard... Uh, no, I can't remember the name of the other one. But I knew the Revolutions podcast. That's really good. Is it? Okay. I haven't checked it out yet. Is that is that kind of like? Do you guys have like a lot of banter and stuff for your podcast, or do you guys keep it pretty focused? What do you mean? Like, do you guys like fuck around a little bit, or you guys just kind of stick to the historical topics? Well, you know, we start the episode by just talking, like, like shoot the shit. That's no, oh, that's nice. I like solid, that. Especially, <laughs> especially right now when there's so little contact with everybody, it's <laughs> nice to get a just a regular a conversation. conversation. Just a regular conversation and, you know, uh, not too many asides. I, um, my, my wife who uh, edits the, the podcast, 
she's thankful that there aren't as many asides as she was worried there was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> I actually really like the asides. So if you guys want to keep some more of those in, it's... <laughs> uh it's hard though too because i like uh all three of us to different degrees are are, can can be like funny in our own ways and it's hard to bring funny into a history podcast at times but i feel like david would almost have the opposite like i feel like he cannot help but joke around about no matter what the topic is On the last episode that we recorded, he was because he actually speaks the least out of all of us in this okay. most recent one. Um, so most of his comments are asides that are meant to be funny. <laughs> nice. I would like that role. That's like my favorite role. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, you know, me, you and me go back uh, a long time. We've been friends for a decade now, I think, or more. I don't know. I'm a good see, at numbers. Uh, 2000. 2007 so yeah. about 13 years yeah it's a good amount of time and i think one of the topics that has uh you know really brought us together is movies and so i think of course for this uh episode we got to talk about some good movie ones and at the time that we graduated was the year 2008 <laughs> it's an important year for us so there were some pretty yes. good movies that, that were nominated for best picture that year and there's a long debate about which was the the truly best picture of uh, well, I guess it would be 2007 that the movies came out, but it was nominated on 2008. Actually, they were nominated in 2009. They came out in 2008. Because if we're talking about 2008, we'd be talking about one of our very first debates you and I ever had together, No Country for Old Men versus There Will Be Blood. That's the one I was going for. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Did I accidentally make you research the wrong topic? <laughs> I-, I thought we were researching movies for 2008, and on that instance... You know my position. I think the two best movies of 2008 were either The Dark Knight or Wally. Mm, those are good ones. But I think I'm, I'm going to rewind a year back. All right. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. So, Nick, I, I know one movie won Best Picture, but what was the greatest of the Best Picture nominees for the 2008 Oscars? You know, when we first had this argument, my my position was that the right movie won. Yeah. However, in the preceding 13 years, I have flipped and I actually Damn. think <laughs> there will, uh, sorry, no country. Yeah. There will be blood should have won best picture. Holy shit. This is on, I wasn't expecting this. <laughs> <laughs> How did, what happened? How did you end up switching stances? I, um, I was, uh, I was at home and the option to watch, I had, I hadn't seen it since that year. And, um, and I was, I turned it on cause I was like, I, I, everybody says this is D- Daniel day Lewis's best performance. I don't agree. I think he has one better. Well, we should save that um, topic for a different episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I, I, I was, I was mesmerized. I was truly like, you know, when you're watching something, that you, you you know it's you can't put the words on it, but you know it's great. And actually, to say great almost cheapens it. You're like, no, that's not a good enough word for it. <laughs> but it was more than that. It was it was uh, the story. It was almost kind of like a proto Breaking Bad about a guy who 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 comes in talking to talking about the 
how what he's doing will be good for the town, but it's clearly just about himself and how right. he's going to make himself up. I mean, hell, he even let he even as uh, his former partner dies in the beginning of the movie, takes his kid and uses his kid as leverage to <laughs> to further himself. Yeah, it's amazing to be so like it's very rarely does such a dastardly protagonist like make you want to to stick around, but mm-hmm. he does it so well. And, and it's contrasted by, uh, I, I believe his name is it Paul Dano. Yes. It's contrasted by him who you actually think is the good guy of the story, but he's also a shameless yes. <laughs> grifter who just wants to use his church to push his agenda. Yeah. And they play off each other so well. They're both such pieces of shit. <laughs> and you shouldn't want to root for either of them, right. but their performances are so good in the greater context of the story. And 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 I just remember sitting there like and No Country for Old Men is is great. The screenplay is, is fantastic and um and uh I, I love the um oh god, how am I blanking on their names? Coen brothers. The Coen Brothers, thank you. I'm, I love the Coen Brothers movies. They're they're one of a kind. Um, but uh, it's it's great. It's it's a uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's best film. Oh, for sure. I think I think by a mile. Um, yeah, like it seems wrong to say this, but I'll take as as I say this cheaply as a as a somebody who studied screenwriting. <laughs> If you have a top-notch performance, it can make a movie. But if you have two top-notch performances like that, it's legendary. Yeah. And I think it's strange looking back at it now that the Academy didn't pick it because the Academy is mostly – the biggest block of the Academy is um, is the acting branch. Right. And they normally go for big acting performances. It's, it's why uh, Parasite ended up winning Best Picture this past year because mm-hmm. – it was held up as such a great acting performance. Um, and that's the best I can explain it. Uh, the story is solid, if mm-hmm. a little unspectacular, but you don't really care at the end. You just want to see how this, how this drama between these, these characters plays out. Yeah, definitely. You yeah. know, and, and these like these scenes, like when the oil rig starts catching on fire and, and, and you know you get to start to see the, the the cracks in the facade of Daniel Day Lewis's character when we get to that scene, and it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And the end of the movie where he's just where he's such a fucking son of a <laughs> bitch. <laughs> Can I cuss? Am I, am yeah, I allowed? Of course, you know, yeah, of course. Yeah, it's encouraged. Okay, okay, okay. yeah, just I thought I, I I I never thought we'd have this conversation. It's. The only other time I think I've ever flipped on a movie when, that we've talked about for a long time is Titanic. Right, which I rewatched recently. It's pretty good. <laughs> oh, Titanic is fantastic. Yeah. I, I, we have a friend, a mutual friend, who won't sit through it because it's too long. You know who I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> and uh, I, I just – I don't get that because I think when a movie is really good, the length doesn't matter. Right. It's it's not even noticeable. Uh, no, I remember I uh, 2008 real quick, but I remember when uh, we went and we all saw The Dark Knight on opening day. And I remember when it ended, I was like, wait, that's it. We were just, in, oh, wait, we were here for two and a half hours. <laughs> yeah. 
good, uh, good but, pacing will do that to a movie. Yeah, bad pacing will drag it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, a bad yeah. pacing will make a short <laughs> movie feel like fucking forever. But yeah, that, that's I I I know this might doesn't seem like a whole lot when it comes to this this discussion, and I know you weren't expecting this, but I'm, I'm, that's why I th- <laughs> <laughs> yeah surprised, but I guess in a good way. <laughs> There Will Be Blood should have won Best Picture. There Will Be Blood is one of the best films of the 2000s. It might actually be the best film of the 2000s. I have to look back at the, the other ones, but yeah. Um, that's good, yeah. I, I, don't, I wouldn't say that I flipped, because when, when no, Country came, uh, no Country for Old Men came out, I was kind of unimpressed by it. It took a long... It was like a slow burn. It had to really simmer with me for a good amount of time. But I think it does, that's Coen Brother movies. They take some time and some thought you to really be able to like get into them and yeah, the only the only coen brothers film i ever like loved right off the bat yeah was burn after reading and not like burn after reading is like one of their great masterpieces right. it's an okay film <laughs> but it maybe because it was such a radical departure from uh, no country for old men maybe <laughs> um but yeah, no, uh, you're right though. Their movies need to simmer. Some of their movies, like Fargo, didn't I didn't get Fargo the first time I saw it. It Me took neither. a second viewing for it. Yeah. Um, Raising Arizona the same way. Um, but that's not to say that No Country for Old Men is not a great film because it is a great film. It's really good, yeah. Um, and like honestly, you could have gone either way with best picture that year and it would have been fine but yeah i've come to the conclusion that there will be blood should have won and like i said i think there will be blood is one of the great films of the 2000s one of the great films of the 21st century and will be remembered for a long time nice well that's exciting to hear (laughs) (laughs) see i can change my mind (laughs) yeah that's uh, yeah and and props to no country for all because it really is a great movie I've, I've rewatched it. I think I've rewatched, I rewatched There Will Be Blood so many times, like after it came out, that I kind of took a long break from it and have rewatched No Country for Old Men more in the recent years. But yeah, it's uh, No Country for Old Men is, uh, I mean, uh, yeah, both of them, both of them are like two of my favorite movies. Yeah, and it was a two, per, it was a two movie race that year, and everybody knew it. Yeah, for sure. All right, well. Um, let's move on from that topic. Um, it's a consensus, I guess. That ends the debate. <laughs> uh, to an, no, um, we're gonna we're gonna have a topic where we're going to debate. I know we are. Oh, for sure. I've seen your list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, let's get it. I know one hundred percent that we're gonna disagree about this next one. So tell me, Nick, what is the greatest movie from the Marvel Cinematic Universe? The greatest movie from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I have a tough one with this one because. My personal favorite is uh, Winter Soldier, but I don't think it's the greatest. Okay. And I might I'm gonna get some flack for this one, <laughs> but I think the best Marvel Cinematic Universe movie is its first one. It's Iron Man. Oh shit! I don't think you will actually. I've gone through. I did a lot of research on this topic and that's a lot of number one on the list for a lot of people. So you're not too far off base, but let's get into your reasoning. Why is the first Iron Man, the greatest Marvel cinematic universe movie? All right. Well, first things first, whenever you're building on something, you need a base. Yeah. If Iron Man didn't work, 
you probably have to reshuffle the MCU before it even really gets started. Look at recent attempts at starting cinematic universes like Batman v Superman, which I know you and I disagree on, and uh, The Mummy, for instance. <laughs> the Mummy is a big good one. Um, when you don't start off with a good base for your your big long-term story would end up being a 10 11 year story Mm -hmm. then it's going to collapse iron man tony stark and by extension robert downey jr became the heart of your cinematic universe he Mm -hmm. is what gets everything pumping because you needed a main character and now i know that's an ensemble piece but if you really take a step back and look at the mcu it is tony stark's story more than anybody else because he goes through the most growth he goes from selfish prick to ultimately hero willing to sacrifice himself. I also think that Iron Man is the best, like of all like the standalone films, it's the best individually acted. Mm. Um, you know, Robert Downey Jr. acted. He he put in a performance like he knew that if he didn't do this, then his chances as a at a big time Hollywood future might be over. And given his recent past before that, it made sense. Um, I also think that, um, it turned on its head. A, um, it, it, uh, okay. That's a wrong, wrong way to phrase it. It made, us. It made uh, Tony Stark, who uh, is uh, basically kind of a secondary Marvel character, and made him the focus. Mm-hmm. And that was a good. That was good because if you were going to make the MCU work, you needed to know that these heroes could stand on their own. It's because of Iron Man that you could go on and make a Captain Marvel, uh, uh, a Thor movie. Um, a you know the guardians of the galaxy these are secondary marvel characters who now have prominent roles and that's partially because iron man was successful right um it's importance in the marvel cinematic universe really puts it above and beyond for me as the greatest because nothing else works if iron man doesn't work are you really going to if Iron Man doesn't work and then like a few months later you have the Incredible Hulk come out, which did, which I think is an underrated gem. I agree. But didn't do well. And, and then you're what? You're going to hop into like, if that doesn't do well, you're not going to get Iron Man two, which I think we could have lived without, but, <laughs> but that, that's how good Iron Man one was that it, it, it helped it like Iron Man survived off of our goodwill basically like Iron Man 1 was so good that even when Iron Man 2 was bad we're like we'll still keep watching these movies <laughs> yeah and and um oh gosh um Obadiah Stane was a fantastic because uh villain just in that instance because well he doesn't he's obviously he just kind of shows up to be the bad guy but you know f- it framing him as as a especially because of the action you picked <laughs> making him the bad guy was kind of shocking a little bit. I, yeah. I actually had, we went into Iron Man, uh, not having, not knowing anything about the Iron Man character. I was actually legitimately shocked that he ended up being the, 
the bad guy. I probably should have known, but, (laughs) (laughs) um, but you know, it also repackaged Iron Man by modernizing him, by setting him in the war on terror and making him uh, reckon with his, how he gained his wealth. Um, it doesn't do it as well. It doesn't hold on to that kind of worldly theme. Like I think better, like later films, like winter soldier, I think winter soldier in terms of its view on, on its take on its, on its, uh, themes are, right. are a little bit better, but, uh, Iron Man is a redemption story for Tony. And it's actually the start of a redemption story. If I'm being honest, because his full redemption doesn't come until Endgame when he becomes, you know, the hero willing to sacrifice himself. Something he says specifically in the first Avengers that he would never do. He, he you know, um, but we're talking about Iron Man. Iron Man is the base and all the, of all the other things I've said about why it's great and why I think it's the best. It's most important is that it, it's success is why we have the Marvel cinematic universe. Mm-hmm. Nice. That's a good answer. You know, similarly to you, for my pick, I actually, my favorite of the MCU movies is actually Civil War. But I'm going to go for greatest MCU movie. I'm going Infinity War. <laughs> really? Yes. I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't expecting it myself either, but I wanted to give it a lot of thought. And I wanted to think about something. It's like, what, what is like the movie that just, if you were like, this is what the MCU is which movie would you just sit someone down and tell them, watch this? And I know it's the, it's like by this point in the movie, like there's so many characters, like somebody just going in, maybe wouldn't know. But honestly, I went with some of my sisters who had never seen any of the MCU movies before this. They, I mean, you can pick up on context clues. This is not like an advanced movie. Yeah. There's a bunch of characters, but you kind of figure out, it's like, Oh, that's another superhero. <laughs> you know, it's not too complicated. This I think one of the things I was most impressed about after I saw Infinity War was like, oh, they did it. Like they, they, like that was the most impressive thing is like they actually did it. They got all these different, they got the Guardians of the Galaxy and Thor and the Avengers and, you know, they got everybody together for these movies, Spider-Man and came together for like this epic story. And also Marvel, who's known for not having the best villains usually, did a great job introducing Thanos. I I think it was, it was just like everything that we were hoping for that could eventually happen from one of these franchises. Like that's the kind of like what we thought maybe could, was like only a dream at one point that you'd be able to get all these characters like Spider-Man and Iron Man and you know, everybody working together on this level. Like when Avengers was successful, that was surprising. But when infinity war like stuck the landing as hard as it did, like that was so impressive. And I think it's like the height of what we were able to do with combining all these different superhero stories together. Yeah. Um, Infinity War, I think of all the Avengers film is it's kind of weird saying this, but it's, you can sit down and watch it. I think it's the most instantly rewatchable of all the uh, like Avengers movies. Mm Um, it was a big risk. It has a big risk because the main character is actually the antagonist of the story. Yeah. <laughs> um, which, you know, is played fantastically. Yeah. Um, I actually think Infinity War is, like I said, the best of the Avengers, of the four Avengers movies. 
I think it's the best. Um, Age of Ultron is bad. <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> and Avengers is good, but I remember sitting down to rewatch it the other day, and I realized something that was striking to me that I hadn't realized it. Yeah. Avengers 1 doesn't have a plot. Interesting. <laughs> There's no plot to it. I mean, yeah, it's it's a very simple one, I think. Um, and I like Endgame, even though Endgame kind of gets it gets off track sometimes. Yeah, I thought Endgame was but great, it, but it was, but, you know, it wasn't the same thing. No, Infinity War is legit great and for me is a top three avengers uh mcu movie yeah but you couldn't have infinity war (laughs) if iron man didn't start everything i mean yeah that's that's true but i guess maybe i'm going from like like iron man was one of the ingredients in this in this stew of of uh of world building everybody wants to do a cinematic universe and i think infinity war is what you get when you successfully build movie upon movie upon movie like this is what everybody was everybody's reaching for and nobody's been able to do yet and nobody's been able to do infinity war yet no and it'll be a long time because the only other comic there's only one other like ip in the in the world that could do an infinity war style story and i don't think warner brothers really wants to do that anymore yeah i feel like they've kind of decided to like take a breather and reassemble (laughs) um and you know maybe one day because i do think you could you could make a great right cinematic universe using the dc characters but it's also true that i don't think everything i don't think everything needs a cinematic universe no like, why were we trying to make a fucking monster cinematic universe? What the <laughs> fuck so was that? Stupid. I agree. <laughs> what are they going to do? What's the team up? What are they doing? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, some of these don't need to be. And I think the only reason you would want to is because you have these characters that you know exist in the same worlds. So you're like, oh, man, it would be so cool if they met each other. And how would those interactions be like? That's how I felt like watching the because I watched all the Marvel Netflix shows and even though Defenders ended up not being what I was hoping, as the show was going and I knew these characters were existing in the same universe, there was an excitement of like, oh man, this show's good. Jessica Jones is good. Luke Cage is good. You know, um, Iron Fist was bad, but <laughs> it's, it's like, oh, that'd be cool. I want to see. They keep alluding to each other. But like, how cool would that be to watch these characters interact with each other? And that was my favorite part of the defenders probably was just like having everybody meet and talk. That only works if you have care. Like if you, nobody, you haven't even introduced a character in the mummy. You just have like, like some generic villain. Like why would I have any interest in seeing that character interact with another shitty character that I don't give a fuck about? Yeah. Like, Oh yeah. The mummy, uh, Dr. Jekyll, (laughs) fucking Frankenstein and Dracula are going to come together and what solve crimes in New York. (laughs) It makes no sense. (laughs) And you know, like I said, the DC universe could work because at least these people are interconnected Mm -hmm. in a universe where they all exist. Yeah. That makes sense. But if you got, I don't even, you could, you could build a cinematic universe with movies that, 
maybe traditionally don't interact with each other, but if you just have two cool characters, why not like it why not mash them up together? <laughs> like it would be cool. <laughs> like if somebody just decided we're hey, like, you, you know, know what, fuck it. We're just gonna say like we're gonna do a crossover between like Jurassic Park and Terminator. It makes no fucking sense, but we'll get all the original actors and they're just in this, you know, it's like Sarah Connor has to fight a dinosaur. I would watch a shit out of that. Fuck yeah. We could get like the beast wars going in this shit. Exactly. Oh shit. That would be a perfect beast wars, uh, uh, like connection. If you were like Terminators made dinosaurs and then you get beast wars, dude, See, that's what you really need. You just need interesting movies that people want to see mashed up together. Yeah, I'd keep Michael Bay as far away from it as possible. <laughs> nice. Well, yeah, those were good picks. Um, I like it. Yeah. I, I agree. Iron Man, I mean, yeah, the end of Endgame doesn't work unless you have a character that people really, really, really care about, and that's, you know, Robert Downey Jr. playing Iron Man. So, I mean, there's a lot of grounds for that, and you're not alone on that. I was going through a bunch of different lists of like who thinks is the, what is with the best movie, and a lot of people said Iron Man one. So you're not too controversial there. <laughs> I was terrified you were going to pick Thor Ragnarok, and then we were going to have a fucking <laughs> 20 minute long discussion about why you're fucking wrong. Well, I think it's the funniest one, but no, I don't. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's the greatest. Um, <laughs> all right, well. That was good. Let's let's stay on the movie topic for now since we're still talking about that. And, um, let's move on to best movie of the 1990s. There's a lot ah. of them. Before you get into it, let's just let's just talk about the 90s. It was there's some good shit came out. <laughs> yeah, there is. It's a weird decade because um you could tell early nineties didn't know exactly what it wanted to be. <laughs> yeah. Early eighties is the same way. It's funny how we have this view of the eighties, but if you look at like stuff from like 1980 to 1982 or something mm-hmm. like that, it's kind of like this hodgepodge of an aborted decade that never actually happened. <laughs> um, but the 90s, 90s is one of the great decades for films. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I say this because I think the 80s is actually one of the weaker decades for films. Yeah, they got a couple good blockbusters, but I don't think that there's like a movement in cinema the way that there was in the 90s or the 70s. Obviously, the 60s had a really big movement as well. No. And and maybe because uh, some of the indie directors that came up in the 90s really left their mark and... I, I did wrestle with my pick for this one, but um, I picked, I think, uh, the, like, when we get to why I picked it, uh, we're going to talk about, I think, the director who defined the 90s. Just to give you a hint. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, what is it? Let's know. <laughs> the greatest film of the 90s is... Pulp Fiction. God damn it. Why are we so on board today? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Just for the sake of argument, I will pick another movie to argue with. (laughs) Now let's talk about, let's talk about Pulp Fiction. It's all good. Okay. Maybe we can pick second, second and thirds or something. You know, I, I've told you this before, David, we're more alike than you want to admit. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I think, I think, Uh, 
your reasoning, it kind of, the, the director is basically the thing that makes this. And he had Reservoir Dogs come out in this decade too, but Pulp Fiction, I think, was the one that really influenced a lot of people to start copying that style. And there's just so much that happened with that movie that it's just... Yeah, it's the movie that defined a generation. Yeah. It is the quintessential Gen... It's the quintessential Gen X film, yeah. for sure. Um, it's... It's it's weird too because I remember there was a time in my life where I was like, yeah, Pulp Fiction, whatever. Uh, it's not my favorite Tarantino film, um, nor do I think it's his best. But there's something about Pulp Fiction, like when you watch it, it's almost kind of a religious experience. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't have a story per se. It's about characters, yeah. and that's kind of something that defines the '90s in film for the most part. It's a really character-driven decade. Yeah, for sure. And I think you have to thank Pulp Fiction for that because, you know, who else would be able to take a story about, like, these vaguely connected incidents <laughs> and and tell a coherent – make a coherent film out of it? And he does, and it's fantastic. Uh, for my money, I think uh, the stuff with uh, – with uh, Vincent and uh, Marcellus Wallace's wife is the best individual segment in the movie. Mm, okay. Um, it's, it's, it has everything. It's funny, um, but not like over the top. haha funny. It's, 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 it's more muted in its humor. It's just clever. Um, it's kind of like, Oh, good cl- line. Good line. Good line. Like that's constantly what you're saying when you're watching Pulp Fiction. Yeah. It's, 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 it's amazing how, you don't even realize it sometimes, but sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll quote Pulp Fiction out of nowhere. Like, <laughs> oh, that reminds me of this thing in Pulp yeah. Fiction, or that reminds me of this thing in Pulp Fiction. And who hasn't tried to recite uh, the fucking Bible quote? Oh, I memorized <laughs> it when I was in high school for sure. <laughs> like, it's... It, there are, some movies are lucky if they have like one memorable scene. You could go into Pulp Fiction and like just pause it at random intervals mm-hmm. and find great scenes that uh, that the, the them talking about whether or not you know eating a woman's pussy is the same as giving her a foot massage. <laughs> yes. Who does that? Yeah, I know that shouldn't that shouldn't work. Mm-hmm. That should be crude and ridiculous. <laughs> but you're like. Like, is it on the same level? <laughs> I mean, to Quentin Tarantino, it probably is. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> of course it was foot massage versus eating pussy. Yeah, if only we had known. <laughs> um, you know, the, the dancing contest, which looks ridiculous. And if their dance is the one that won, I want to know what other pieces of shit were dancing <laughs> in that contest. <laughs> um. You know the, the stuff with Bruce Willis is, is great. Actually, mm-hmm. it's the it's the least interesting of the stories, but yeah. that doesn't make it bad. That whole that um, whole getting raped in the pawn shop thing is just so weird. It's like probably like the most random, weakest part of the movie. But like, it's it's easy to overlook. Usually, you're able to gloss over it. Everything else around that is like pretty good. Uh, and you know the way the movie ends, bringing it back full circle, um, is clever because. You know, in the beginning of the movie, we see that uh, Jules is like, eh, is this life for me? Mm-hmm. And he sits down and he has that talk. Um, 
with the guy trying to rob him. And even though he's talking about a conversation that we saw, you know, earlier in the movie, yeah. Uh, you still feel like you went on the journey with him, even though we've only seen him for maybe like 30 minutes of this two hour movie. Yeah, for sure. That's a good point. And that's good filmmaking mm-hmm. and it's good writing and it's clever. And it is the film that defined a generation. Every subsequent filmmaker since Pulp Fiction wants to make Pulp Fiction. <laughs> Definitely. The, the most prominent to me in terms of trying to make the same style of movies, Christopher Nolan, who also em- implores a, a, uh, a, uh, you know, a timeline that's not exactly linear. Yeah. Um, I don't know if Nolan takes direct influence from Tarantino. They're kind of around the same age. So <laughs> when, when did Memento come out? 2000. Oh, okay. So he must've been somewhat influenced by him. Yeah. So the, it, 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 but Pulp Fiction is just the. What do you think of movies of the '90s? It's Pulp Fiction. The yeah. only other one, the like there are other movies from the '90s that you you think of. Jurassic Park comes to mind. Yeah. Terminator Two. I think The Matrix came out in 1999. Yeah. Like blockbusters. Uh, yeah, blockbusters. That's actually the other thing the '90s is known for is the real. Big blockbusters, Jurassic Park, Titanic, The Matrix. Definitely. Um, But they all pale to Pulp Fiction, which just is the, it's the 90s film. Right. And it also like a lot of people talk about, you know, the indie movement of the 90s, which is completely started by Quentin Tarantino. Maybe not. That's, that's giving him too much credit, but it, he's a big part of it. He's going to be in the history books for how you know in the anthology of the indie movies of the 1990s and how that was a whole movement he's going to be one of the people on the mount rushmore of that yeah when i was in film school like the, when we talked about film the indie films of the 90s it was a week or two week long discussion on pulp fiction and the different <laughs> techniques in the writing and the filmmaking yeah we studied pulp fiction yeah and even if people who don't like the movie will tell you, yeah, we've had to do like weeks long s- seminars on it wow. because they're like, you want to know how to write cleverly and how to compose a shot and how to tell a good story. You show Pulp Fiction, you show yeah. people Pulp Fiction. Wow. And you know, it's basically all the building block. It's also the building block of the film career of one of the greatest filmmakers of all time. And I have no problem calling Tarantino one of the greatest filmmakers of all time. Yeah, of course. Um, he's carved out a ditch all his own and yeah, he borrows heavily from other filmmakers, but that's what we were always told to do is like learn from the masters. Yeah, for sure. Well, what would you give like maybe like a second place to? Oh, um, it's tough because I think I'd probably say Terminator two. Mm, one of my faves. Uh, it's the best Terminator movie. Yeah. Um, it's 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 smart. It doesn't try to beat you over the head with its pretension, though. It's my biggest issue with The Matrix, for instance, mm-hmm. is that I think it gets too up its own ass with its, <laughs> with its uh, the its philosophy morals. and stuff like that. All that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like to the point where you're like, are you just kind of shoehorning this stuff in? <laughs> Um, and that's not a bad thing. Just the matrix is never my cup of tea. 
uh, Terminator 2 is smart in a way that doesn't talk down to its audience. For sure. One of my faves, for sure. I did a philosophy. I did a philosophy class where we spent two weeks talking about the Matrix, and I remember every fucking dude bro in the class was talking about it. It was just the worst shit on the planet. Ah, okay. We just ruined it for you. Maybe that. Maybe that soured it for me. <laughs> well, we um, should give it a rewatch then. I, I think I'd have to go um, probably Jurassic Park for second place. Maybe. Uh, Jurassic Park is great. Like those. How have we gone backwards when it comes to CGI? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Fucking T-Rex scene is so iconic. Yeah. I, I I love Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park, I'll pop on just for fun. Yeah. Or if it's on TV, I will stop and I'll watch it because it's just fun. It's great. Too bad no other movie in that series could be even half as good. No. Um, I, I, I guess maybe I wouldn't say this is one of the greatest of the nineties, but I do kind of want to give a shout out to scream because it kind of did what Pulp Fiction did for horror movies. For the horror time. genre. Compl- everybody, come, like everybody, Halloween, uh, <laughs> uh, Bride of Chucky, like all these movies, like try to do their own twist on like a, like a meta funny horror movie, trying to copy the style of, uh, of scream. And it, it that was a big influence on the slasher genre for sure for the '90s. So shout out to that that film. Yeah, Scream <laughs> Scream needed to happen because that genre needed a reboot. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know, and and it's so it's so self aware, but it's also very good. I, Scream's fantastic. Scream's fantastic. It's it, you know, Wes Craven gave us two of the great horror films of all time: mm-hmm. Nightmare on Elm Street and and Scream. Yeah, for sure. Um, along some of his earlier stuff too. Um. Let's see. Anything else from the nineties? Um, Shawshank. I know a lot of people like Shawshank. I'm okay people with love Shawshank. Shawshank. I'm not, I'm yeah, I'm apathetic about it. People love Forrest Gump. I'm kind of like whatever about it as well. Um, Goodfellas. Goodfellas would be a good one. Okay, maybe I had to. Oh man, see that's one of my favorites. I I don't know if I could say greatest of the nineties because I want to be like a little bit less. You know, I want to base a little bit, just base it less off of just personal opinion. But I, agree. I mean, Goodfellas is yeah. so fucking good. Yes, it is. It's it's uh, it lost to fucking Dances with Wolves. That that hurts. <laughs> <laughs> Titanic. I think you could make a good argument. Titanic's one of the greats of the nineties. Yeah, you could definitely. I would say maybe like top five. Um. And Saving Private Ryan, I think, would be another one I'd probably make an argument for. Great movie, for sure. I don't know if it necessarily does, like... I don't know if it represents the 90s in any way, though. That's the same reason why I would say Goodfellas wouldn't either, just because, I mean, it's a great film. I don't know if it necessarily did something to, like, the culture or anything like that to make it, like, one of the... You know, I feel like a lot of people even forget it often because it just kind of... Maybe didn't. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Didn't hit us in like the pop culture thing like other movies did. There's no like good, famous catchphrases that everybody knows. You know, there's there's catchphrases yeah, from Scarface and Godfather that everybody like. Oh, you say that everybody's gonna know what you're talking about. I don't think Goodfellas yeah. has something like that. Maybe if you're lucky, somebody knows. Uh, you know, as long as far back as I remember, I, I'd wanted to be a gangster. Maybe or... I think some people do the whole like oh like oh what I'm like a clown. The, Am I funny? Yeah. yeah, that thing maybe. Great movie though. I mean, but, one of uh, the best. But great, <laughs> well, yeah, 
Probably Scorsese's best. I you would can make say, the argument. I would say that, yeah, for sure. We should, yeah, maybe rank those later. <laughs> <laughs> find out which is the greatest Scorsese. Why, so we, can, why, so we can agree some more? Let's find a topic that we can disagree on, goddammit. Okay, well, here's one. You, uh, you know, like I said, we know each other for a long time. And back when you knew me in high school, I was a vegetarian. Yes. <laughs> and so uh, there was a long period of time that I didn't eat burgers. Now yes. I'm full carnivore again. So I've gone into the where I've started, uh, you know, take getting, I, I, you know, getting more into burgers. Um, so I want to ask you, Nick, what is the greatest burger chain? Okay. Well, a couple of parameters first. Are we talking major chains, minor chains? I'm I'm going major chains just to keep it fair. Because, yeah, I'm sure there's like some mom and pop place near, nearby that makes the best burger ever. But maybe someone in a different state would never be able to confirm or deny if that's true. <laughs> All right. Well, for that reason, for that reason, I'm going to set In-N-Out aside. You can use In-N-Out if you want. I could, but I don't want to be such a homer. Okay. Um... You know, burgers are interesting because uh, they're really hard to get wrong. Mm-hmm. But of the major chains, um, oh, fast food or sit down? You can go either direction if you want to just go major chain. Okay. Then I think for my money in terms of taste, uh, value and all that stuff, the best is Wendy's. Wendy's. Very interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I went there for the first time uh, not too long ago. Me and the kids all had. We were kind of disappointed. What What makes Wendy's so good? Uh, Wendy's does employ the similar in and out strategy of bringing fresh beef in and then discarding what they don't use at the end of the day. Oh, okay. So you do get a good taste with that. So you know you're getting a fresh burger. Their burgers are juicy. Um, They don't need to be overly dressed up. And they they have a um, a, you don't ever feel stuffed. Like I would like be tempted on this argument to make like a Five Guys. Five Mm -hmm. Guys makes a good burger. But Five Guys always, I always leave feeling so gross after eating the Five Guys burger because it's so much meat and so much. It's just like I, I feel like I need to have my doctor on on standby <laughs> eating a Five Guys burger. Gotcha. I don't feel that way with Wendy's. Wendy's, Wendy's also gives you uh, a good fry. Mm. Sometimes some of the burger chain's problems is like McDonald's, for instance. McDonald's has actually gotten better with their burgers. Yeah. But – um. We 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 go to McDonald's for their fucking fries. That's their fries are ridiculously good. <laughs> Burger King's food is just crap. It's awful. Yeah, I'm not a fan. Uh, their buns the old- are so weird. And like, what is that? <laughs> is that bread? What do they use for their buns? Um, yeah, that's a big weakness of uh, In and Out too. Their fries are dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 okay. Before we continue this conversation, one time me and, and uh, Caroline, my wife, for anybody who doesn't know me who's listening to this, um, <laughs> and uh, we, we we got high. But before we got high, we wanted to run an experiment. Yeah. So we went 
and we got an In-N-Out burger, uh-huh. uh, McDonald's fries, <laughs> and a shake from Carl's Jr. Okay. And we combined, and we combined it into what we thought was the perfect chain meal. Oh. It was fantastic. Okay, so it was successful. You guys were right on your theory, or your hypothesis yes. that these would be the perfect foods. Yeah, so you want to take In-N-Out's burger, you want to add McDonald's fries, and you want to get a shake. You can get it from Jack in the Box, who also makes good milkshakes. Yeah, they do. Um, um, and actually, Jack in the Box wouldn't be too far off uh, in terms of a decent burger. But uh, Jack in the Box is always, uh, oh, I have had everything else. Let me go go to Jack in the Box. It is kind of messed up that they kind of, I mean, more people go to Burger King, and I feel like that's just unjust. <laughs> Yeah, I remember going to one of your parties once and somebody tried to make the argument to me that Burger King's fries are the best fries. I don't know. I can't. Uh, <laughs> but I uh, think, but, I think yeah. Jack in the Box is underrated for sure. They have a great milkshake. They have those yeah. 99-cent tacos. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and their commercials are total like, hey, stoner, go get us your <laughs> cheap food. They know exactly who they're advertising. Yeah, those munchy meals are 100% advertised to stoners. <laughs> Um, but it's kind of weird when you talk about chains, uh, but, but, but yeah, but Wendy's makes the best money to taste ratio, uh, in terms of fast food. If I was going to tell you table, like just sit down and get a burger, I'd say go to islands. Mm. Islands makes, I haven't had a burger from islands yet. I'll have to check that out. Islands makes the best burgers. Mm. Uh, I know some people will say red Robin, which is solid. I do like red Robin. But if I'm going to sit down, hey, we're going to go get a burger. We're going to sit down and we're going to get a burger. I'm going to go to Islands. Right. I live right down the street from Islands. It's <laughs> fantastic. I don't go there all the time, but yeah. I we- do eat there and it's fantastic. <laughs> nice. Well, it's, it's funny that you mentioned uh, Carl's Jr. earlier because I have actually haven't had their milkshake. But when I started eating meat again, I remember my uh, one of my ex-managers, he said that he was vegetarian for a long time. He broke his vegetarian because somebody dared him to eat like this giant Carl's Jr. burger. And so <laughs> when I started eating meat again, and I'm like, you know, I haven't had a burger in a long time. I'm going to go to this place. I went to Carl's Jr. I forgot what kind of ridiculous thing I got, but it had like bacon, avocado, just like some crazy thing. It was amazing. And I haven't gone back since. <laughs> <laughs> gone back to vegetarian sense and i was like so because everybody was talking about in and out like it's like the best thing ever so i'm like okay i went to in and out I, I was like i i didn't get it i was like very underwhelmed by in and out and so i'm like i don't understand why more people don't talk about carl's jr i think carl's jr is the greatest burger chain you know it's funny about carl's jr i um i used to love carl's jr and then i went to cal state fullerton and there's a carl's jr on campus and I think maybe just being around it all the time, eating it all the time, and smelling it all the time, it really turned me off from Carl mm. Jr. Uh, and then once I graduated, I remember I was like, well, well, what do you want to get? Let's go to Carl Jr. I'm like, fine. And I, I sat down. My personal favorite is the Western Bacon Cheeseburger. Oh, Mwah. That's good Fantastic. Stuff, I had that the other day. And I remember, ex- <laughs> I remember exactly why I like their burgers. <laughs> Carl's Jr. makes a great burger. My argument against Carl Jr. would be that – you you end up like if especially like, you have kids yeah, yeah. like if you and and the kids go to get food at Carl's Jr. you end up dropping almost like thirty bucks. Their kids meals are actually pretty cheap. Well, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> but as like, soon as me, they get old enough to eat a full burger, I'm fucked. 
<laughs> but yeah, no, uh, like, like if me and Caroline go and get um, like two meals at Carl's Jr., it's like twenty seven forty. Oh, that's that, yeah. <laughs> that, that's too much for fast food, and and I don't care how good your burger is. You know what's funny? In the nineties and late early two thousand, they made the six dollar burger as a hey, you can get a restaurant quality burger for three ninety five. Mm. And now they don't even call it six dollar burgers anymore because it's the full burger is like seven bucks. They call it a thick burger now. Don't think I didn't recognize that oh, bullshit they were trying to pull. Is that what that is? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. You know the history of Carl's Jr. much better than I do. But you know what? I'm still pretty satisfied if and if I really if like Jack in the Box is right by my house. So if I'm desperate and I want a burger, I'm gonna go there. But if I want to put that extra mile in, <laughs> literally, <laughs> I'm gonna Look, I'm gonna go down to Carl's Jr. for a burger. Look, when it comes to food, uh, my whole, you know, you've heard of the triangle, right? I think so. Fast, good, uh, and uh, cheap. Okay. That something can't be all three. (laughs) Um, And look, you have to spend a little bit more money at Wendy's too. But just like, like I said, I think the taste to money ratio is just a little bit better for Wendy's. It tastes great. Um, it's, they're big, um, you get the Baconator and really clog up those arteries. <laughs> <laughs> Their fries are good. Carl's Jr.'s fries are dog shit. They're not, I, I wouldn't say they're bad, but they're unmemorable. Yeah. Quick, uh, tip for you. Next time you go to Carl's Jr., get, a, get the Chris cut fries. Okay. Good to know. Or maybe I should Much do better. what you your your experiment sounds amazing. I would want to <laughs> combine. I would probably do it a little different. I might do a burger from um uh Carl's from Jr. Carl Jr. and then a shake from Jack in the Box and then the fries from McDonald's. Yeah, get the fries last because you don't want those sitting around. No, definitely not. <laughs> All right. We're we're getting close to uh, uh time. So let's let's wrap this conversation up with this is a conversation we actually had over a Skype conversation the other day with the group. What is the greatest fruit? The greatest fruit. Mmm. <laughs> huh. The greatest fruit is the great lemon. Lemon? What the fuck? The great lemon. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people don't know this about me, but I like to eat raw lemons. That's that's strange. <laughs> <laughs> no, but in seriousness, no, I am serious. Actually, I think the best fruit is the strawberry. Okay, that's a good one. Why the strawberry? It tastes. It tastes good. It's it can be a little tart at times. Um, I actually think the best fruits are the ones that are just a little bit uh, uh, that combine that sweetness and the tartness. Okay. Um, you can do so many things with the strawberries. You can cut it up. Um, you can make a great shake out of a strawberry. Uh, they go great on like cheesecake or other desserts. Oh, that's true. Um, they're also just good for a snack or you know melt some chocolate, dip it in chocolate. Who doesn't like chocolate-covered strawberries? It's very versatile. Uh, as the thing, too, when it comes to fruits, and any food for that matter, it's if the more you can like find uses for it, the better <laughs> it is. And I, I can only think of one other fruit that is as versatile as a strawberry. 
and that's the apple, but the apple is a bottom tier fruit. <laughs> it's because they're so accessible. It's like, oh, great apples again. It's like nobody's like so. You gotta wait for strawberries sometimes. Yeah, that's what makes them great. Yeah, you, they come in season. Yeah, and when you know when strawberry season, they pop up mm-hmm. and they're ripe and they're great. And you just take that bite and they're juicy, but not too juicy. They don't just splat everywhere. Yeah. Um. You know, like when you're having a good strawberry. Have you ever been in a bad mood eating a good strawberry? <laughs> nobody, nobody ever. <laughs> Strawberries make people happy. Yes. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, you're right. Um, strawberries are great. I think that you're, you're right. Water. It's a. It's got a great uh, uh, versatility. You're right about that. And while I'm here, I'm gonna pump up my fruit by saying everybody else is. I always hear people talk about how great the watermelon is. Watermelons are overrated. Watermelons are awesome. Don't say that, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> overrated i've never had a good water belt in my life oh man i the, see the thing is like water like the, the, the thing that will hold me back from saying watermelon's the greatest is that it doesn't have the same versatility as like a strawberry um but watermelon when it's or, hot no. during the summer cutting open a watermelon there's so much juice inside of it and it just feels so refreshing like on a hot a california <laughs> day where it's like 90 plus degrees nothing is better than just having like a full watermelon <laughs> and then I mean, of water is essentially the same thing ah, i know but it feels like you're eating delicious water so it's like way better because i don't want to just sit there and drink a cup of water that's lame <laughs> <laughs> all right david tell me why i'm wrong what is the greatest fruit um i'm not oh i think you got a great argument for strawberry for, for the sake of argument and i don't even know if there's much of an argument uh, I think I'm going to go blueberry for this one. Okay. Blueberries are similarly, similarly uh, versatile, but yep. the thing about blueberries, it's like maybe standalone. They're not as great as the, um, as a strawberry, a strawberry on its own is definitely going to be better than a blueberry. You know, what hurts the strawberry though, is the, the green part. Oh yeah. You have to throw that away. And oftentimes they have like a big white area around the stem that is also just going to go to waste. And so cutting them up and preparing them and all that is just a pain in the ass. A blueberry, you get the little basket, you run in some water, you have a handful of blueberries and just stuff your face with them. And then from blueberries, you can get stuff like blueberry pie and blueberry jam, which is very underrated. Blueberry syrup. (laughs) A lot of blueberry flavored things are pretty good. Blueberries, you know, they, um, like I said, standalone, not as great. But that versatility and that use for many different things, I think, puts like I would way rather have blueberry jam than than strawberry jam. Strawberry jam is kind of like an apple. It's like it's too common. I'm never craving it. I'll eat it and it's going to be good, <laughs> but it's not going to like it's not as exciting as like, ooh, blueberry jam. Like that's that's what I'm looking for. Yeah, it's funny. In my in my fridge right now is the Simply Lemonade blueberry. Ooh. <laughs> Uh, I'm not a fan of blueberry, actually. Oh, interesting. I'm not. I've never liked blueberry. <laughs> blueberry muffins? Nope. Blueberry pancakes? There's just so much good stuff you can do with them. And maybe I was traumatized as a child because I remember one time I saw a thing of muffins and I thought I was from a distance. They looked like chocolate chip muffins. Uh-huh. And I went to grab one. Oh, it's blueberry. Oh, man. If I thought something was a chocolate chip muffin and blew it into it, bit into it and it was a blueberry muffin, I'd be stoked. 
That's because you're a chocolate hater. <laughs> I'm not. I like chocolate. <laughs> but honestly, I think like um, chocolate chip uh, muffins and chocolate chip pancakes, I think are bottom tier pancakes. Little, they're a little indulgent. Yeah, it just seems like it's like I'd rather just have the chocolate. And it just seems like it never blends into the the flour or the whatever, the batter, the way that other stuff no, blends it into it. So it always just feels like you're just eating normal pancake and then, oh, bite of chocolate. I don't know. Yeah, I get, I get that. I get that. I don't, I'm not a big muffin guy. Right. It's like I'm not really a big cupcake guy either. Not a big cupcake guy either. Like just bring me a whole cake. <laughs> um, I, uh, yeah, but, uh, blueberries are fine. I just, I wouldn't go out of my way. If I was going to eat like a small fruit like that, I actually prefer like raspberries. Mm. Raspberries um, are cool. Cause you can put them on your fingers. <laughs> but you could do that with strawberries too you know what i think that strawberries wins <laughs> yeah look everybody likes strawberries the only people who don't like strawberries are allergic to strawberries have you ever found somebody who just didn't like oh i don't like the taste of strawberries oh man i mean if they're if there's someone out there it's probably cat <laughs> <laughs> but i think that besides that there couldn't be many people that don't like strawberries like it's kind of like the banana, another solid fruit. Banana is actually a really solid fruit. Uh, like the only reason Caroline doesn't eat bananas because she's allergic to it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, no, I think uh, yeah, she- bananas up there are up there for sure. And then if you combine, like, if you put strawberries and a shake, you usually got to put some banana in there too. True. Oh, fun fact, a little quick fact for the road: the banana, part of the berry family. Holy shit. So the berries yeah. are for sure the best genre of fruit. <laughs> I still think it's citrus personally, but that's just me. <laughs> but this is a conversation for another time, David. You could get me talking about topics all night, but okay. you can't do that. All right. Sounds good then. We got through all of our topics then, and that's going to be the end of this episode. Nick, one more time. Is there a way that people can find you? Do you want to plug something? Your Facebook, your Instagram, your podcast? <laughs> Yes, uh, you can find me personally uh, on Twitter at, at Nick underscore Malot. That's M-E-L-L-O-T-T. Okay. Uh, uh, it's not really all that great, so I wouldn't recommend it. I'll start sending you. I'll, I'll punch up your tweets for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can you can find a mouthful of history at a mouthful of his one. Uh, <laughs> That's awful. You guys are terrible. <laughs> I, I didn't realize it until it was too late. You guys are sick. <laughs> uh, you can also find us at, uh, uh, at Twitter at a mouthful of history and Instagram at a mouthful of history. Beautiful. Um, a mouthful of history comes out about every three weeks. Check out our most recent episode. It's about the Normans. Nice. And uh, yeah, I look forward to doing this again, David. I think it was fun. Awesome. Thank you so much for doing the podcast, Nick. I'll talk to you later. Yeah, you too. Have a good night. Bye.